Coyote, at Ziaya, he was going upstream. Coyote is always going upstream. He was going along and he noticed the salmon were having some difficulty there. So he says, I'll build a fish ladder so that the salmon can go upriver and feed my people. For three decades, the Idaho Mythweaver has brought Native American programming to KPBX. So it seems fitting that we pay tribute once more to the many voices of tribal elders in the Nesper stories that first captivated us by listening to them again on the bookshelf. We begin with parts of our very first program from 1991 called Keepers of the Earth. Brian Bull is a Nez Perce storyteller who today is an award-winning public radio reporter on KLCC in Eugene, Oregon. I think legends form the backbone of the Nez Perce tribe. Stories have a way of reaching people. Everyone that I've met likes a story. I think it's important that it's saved and preserved. It's also, I think, one of the most easily preserved aspects of the tribe's heritage because dancing and drumming takes years of developing the mind and the body and the right steps. Beadwork, corn husk weaving and things take a delicate hand and a delicate eye and years of perfection. But if you put your mind to it and remember the basic elements, you can tell a pretty good story. The Namipu, or Nez Perce people, explored life's interrelationships with nature and each other through the stories of their legendary teacher, creator, and trickster character, Coyote. Silas Whitman, tribal fisheries manager those many years ago, is still a leading advocate for salmon restoration. Coyote being the all-encompassing trickster that he was and the being that initiated all life's lessons. The reason that he was always uh, dealing with the salmon was because of the importance it played in the diet. Coyote made sure that he taught you that you would never want for meat, never want for food, because it would always be replaced because of the activities that you had done when you were on this living planet and that you evoked the same type of reasoning and the compassion for replacing what you took. Tales of Coyote are not just fairy tales or nursery rhymes. They are very hard life lessons ones that serve as examples to you. The coyote teaches you that each day uh, is something that you've been given. Whatever you do in that day, you know, tomorrow will be history. And that you dare not repeat that. You either make it better or you can make it worse. There are no in-betweens. For thousands of years, each run of Columbia River salmon mirrored the changes in the natural environment summer to winter to summer again, ensuring the survival of the Nez Perce people. But with the pressures of civilization, salmon runs diminished over time and became threatened, endangered, or extinct. Without adequate fish in their diet, the people's health suffered. In the past where I've gone to streams where, as a child, I was at and remember seeing countless 
hundreds of fish going by on their way to their annual spawning. Never as a child, never realizing that in my wonderment of that survival of that fish that it would one day come to an end. That's when I get that sense of sadness, and then it's replaced then with a welling rush of anger. Then that too, then I go full circle, and I, I feel badly because the very ignorance that people have about my people, my way of life, and those things that I hold dear to me, and about those, those remaining fish that struggle through the dams, that struggle through the lack of flow, that struggle through the degraded, denuded habitat. We look at that as, as like a cancer creeping into the family. The circle of our families being the winged creatures, the flying creatures, those that crawl and those that swim, is that we have to care for one another and within the matter of survival again, we cannot continue with this this way this, this effort has come at the expense of mining and logging and irrigation and agriculture and power consumption. why we need things like water uh, quality, water quantity, uh, flows in order to allow those fish to migrate to the ocean and then flows to enhance a return, adequate passage, whatever man, in this instance meaning all of us, have done to, to circumvent the system. We must somehow substitute something that allows us to... Uh, allow life to go on in its, in its cycle. We would like to do it all if possible, but of course we have states around us and other Indian tribes that have a stake in this also. What we would like to be able to do is to ensure that we have the ability to be at the forefront of pursuing good management. And it's a collaborative effort. Life is a circle, and that's basically what we seek to do is to reinstill those circles of life somehow if technology allows us to put in substitutions for what Mother Nature created naturally, then we must do that. We must do that in order to survive. The loss of fish runs and the resulting cultural changes were significant. In 1991, Jamie Pinkham was forest resource manager for the Nez Perce tribe. He eventually moved on to become the director of the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission, and today serves in the Biden administration with the Army Corps of Engineers. We respected the Mother Earth because it provided for us, and we became dependent upon it. Uh, we interacted with it on a day-to-day -day basis for food, uh, for shelter, and for uh, worship. So that uh, when one of those elements in the environment changes, uh, all of Indian life can change. And a good example is the salmon. When we look at the fishing at Celilo Falls, uh, when they put the dam in and we lost the falls, one of the stories that was told to me by a friend that expressed it in a traditional view is that um, when you change the land or you change the fish, then you change the people. And that certainly is what had happened at Celilo Falls because we had fished there since time immemorial and relied upon it for subsistence. But when that fishery's resource was gone, what did the Indian people have to turn to next? So, you know, some people had to find a different way of life to make a living. Uh, then we look at the interrelationship and how that connects with maybe social problems, with unemployment, uh, 
with uh, loss of spirituality and you know so the whole thing is is interconnected so when you change one element of the environment we've got to look at the impact that it has on the indian people for us to be strong to maintain our culture we got to make sure that we are able to preserve and maintain all important elements in the environment because through each animal uh, there's a spiritual power that that animal provides us with or for each uh, plant it provides us with um, food source or with medicine so we've got to make sure that we keep all those things uh, in the circle try not to, to change them so that you know our life can go on as Indian people in a traditional way the stories carry you know the message of the Indian people it's one way that we're going to use to to take tradition to tomorrow, to make sure that uh, our traditions, our belief as Indian people thrive. And what better way to do it through the, than using the traditional stories. Back in 1996, the late Rick Ellenwood told me stories and shared his memories of fishing at Celilo Falls. You used to fish down at Celilo. I was just by there last week. What about that place? How do you remember? Well, when I was a young boy, I, I was young then. I was down at Celilo and that, uh, you could see salmon hanging from all those um, well, shacks is what they were, but they were happy people because they had, uh, they were catching salmon to take home food for the winter. This is in the fall time, and they either dried it or else they salted it, or they take it home fresh and put it in the freezers. And that's what we used to do. We'd fish and fish, and then we'd, uh, we had a trailer, and then we had a car, and, and we'd load all that fish on there. But the thing that I remember most was that the, each island, and it was recognized and established rights that they had on each each area that they fish. Uh, like they say, well, there's um, Johnny Woods' fishing place and my grandfather. Everybody recognized it. You didn't have to have papers. You didn't have to have any title rights or anything like that. Uh, you had your rights by establishment. In case uh, some cases where a person would die or something, well, it'd go to his son or it'd go to his family. Our our place was we had to go across on these older, big box-like type things, and we rode on them, and it was a cable that ran across. And when you went over the falls, well, I tell you, it was an exciting experience. It just it had you on edge. I always remember that. And then you you go over there and you. They load the fish on these big boxes, the big fish too. These are king salmon; they're huge. And you load them all on that box. Then you come back, and that thing would sway left, right, left to right. And you're coming across, and then you bring it over, and then you put them in sacks. And we had them loaded in sacks and wet down, and then you take them up, and then women would clean them out and everything else, and get them ready. Some went to the canneries, some went to uh, your own use, like I was talking about. Grandpa had told me to go ahead and take this one fish home, and I was carrying it on my back. And uh, he 
was pretty heavy and and I was walking uphill and these people from all over there uh, were watching fishing and everything that's going on and they stopped me and they said young man can you sell this fish to us and of course that time I uh, uh, hadn't had my pop and I hadn't had any ice cream or anything for a long time so they said they'd give me five dollars which was a lot of money to me and so I sold it for five dollars and I went up to the store and I had a uh, bottle of pop and I had a ice cream cone and also ate a sandwich and got some candy bars and shared it with my buddies that was with me and of course I played the rest of the afternoon I never did go back to fish because we went along the along the river there and we played and uh, when I got home that evening and, and my grandmother was there and she I, I'd seen that look on her face and like oh oh you know and uh grandpa says I want to talk to you and he says what'd you do with that fish that I sent you home to cook I said well I sold it and I said I got a little bit of money left I was trying to give him that money he didn't want the money he says you know that food was supposed to be for our supper tonight and we're supposed to eat tonight and all sharing it together that food is more important than money. Money does not uh, make you full inside. Money does not. It will buy things, but if money is not that valuable, food is. That salmon gave his life to us, to, for us to share. So uh, needless to say, I got a good lesson in the back room. And, but it was expected to get a whipping for something like that because you were taught and after that, I never did do it again, no matter what, because then I learned that what it was for, why that salmon was so important. So I tell that to the kids nowadays, you know, any food, you don't throw it away. You just eat what you eat, what you can, can eat. Uh, don't take more than you need. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what it was like when they flooded Celilo? Did you go down there after that? It was very disappointing to see when the dam inundated Slilo Falls. It was just like losing something that was really valuable and great. Like losing a close friend. You kind of felt really downtrodden and just lost. But now what are we going to do? It was kind of, well, it wasn't only just to catch fish. It was a gathering of many people, and uh, we had a lot of friends, and we'd visit, and we'd, we had dances down there. We had... Uh, uh, feasts, dances, get together, all these tribes, and it was fun. And that was gone. And the fish was gone. Sure, they give us all kinds of money. They said, you're going to get several million dollars, and it was doled out. And I still don't think we ever got paid enough to even take away the heartbreak and the, and the fish and things that we're now fighting over. It never has compensated that void in my life. It's still empty, and that's just the way I still feel about it. Uh, money never has done me justice. It's gone. Salmon would still be here as far as that goes, but now we're destroying that too. So I, I just feel that Celilo was something that we all lost, all the Native Americans in the Northwest. Uh, we lost something all together. You know, like I say, a close friend. 
Hello, my name is Jeanette Leaskis, and I'm an enrolled member of the Nez Perce Tribe, or Nimipu. I used to work for the tribal radio station, K-I-Y-E, and my show was called Tituatit Time, which means story time. My contribution is to share a story that fascinates many of the tribal elders that I have known over the decades and continues to be their favorite. This story is called Coyote Breaks the Fish Dam and is also known as How Coyote Freed the Salmon. First, I will talk a little about what coyote means to the Nez Perce people. He is one of the creator's eldest children and was put on the earth to help human beings who are the creator's youngest children. This relationship mirrors the tribal kinship way of how the elder siblings teach and help their younger siblings. Coyote continues to be a good big brother to us through the pantheon of Nez Perce tales where he taught everything good and bad that a person would encounter in everyday village life. Coyote has also made the world safe for human beings by ridding the land of dangerous monsters and kept people alive by creating all kinds of foods to eat. As the eldest of Creator's children, Coyote was taught by the great maker of us all and passes this knowledge down so that humans can live their best life. And now we will take a look at what teachings from Coyote are held dear by the most knowledgeable of tribal elders. Now we will hear the late Nez Perce elder, Mari Waters, tell the story of how Coyote broke the fish dam. Once Coyote was walking along on a hot day, he was going up river and he said, oh, let me cool myself in the water. And he swam down the swift river. After a while, he came ashore and mosquitoes just swarmed all over him. So he named the place by saying, this will be mosquito place. He swam down the river a little further and then got out again. Oh, this is a nice sunny slope. They will call this place Ilakat Bitkinika, the sunny slope. He kept a little farther until he came to a waterfall near where the Wasco people lived. Five maidens had dwelt there from ancient times. This was the place where the great dam kept the fish from passing up the stream. Then suddenly he saw a maiden. Quickly, he went back upstream a ways and said, Let me look like a little baby floating down the river on a raft in a flathead-type baby board, all laced up. And so it became. As Coyote was drifting down, he cried, And the maidens, hearing this quickly, swam over, thinking that a baby might be drowning. The eldest maiden caught it first, and she said, Oh, what a cute baby. But the youngest maiden said, This is no baby. That is Coyote. And the others answered, Stop saying that. You will hurt the baby's feeding. The coyote put up his 
bottom lip as if he were about to cry. The maidens took the baby home and cared for it and fed it. And he grew very fast. And when he was crawling around one day, he spilled some water on purpose. Oh, mother, he said, will you get me some more water? And the youngest sisters, why don't you make him go and get it himself? The river is nearby. So the maidens told Coyote to get the water himself. He began to crawl toward the river, but when he got out of sight, he jumped up and began to run. The oldest sister turned around and said, He is out of sight already. He certainly can move fast. That's because he is Coyote, the youngest said. When Coyote reached the river, he swam to the fish dam and tore it down, pulling out the stones so that all the water rushed free. Then he crawled up on the rocks and shouted gleefully, Mother, your fish dam has broken down. And the sisters ran down and saw that it was true. The youngest maiden just said, I told you he was a coyote. And Coyote said, You have kept all the people from having salmon for such a long time by keeping them from going upstream. Now the people will be happy because they will get salmon. Now salmon will go straight up river and spawn. This is how Celilo, Oregon, came to be, where the Wasco people are today, because Coyote tore down those fish dams. Now you know how Coyote went to a great deal of trouble to break down the fish dam long ago and create Celilo Falls so that all the people and animals could have salmon. In 1957, the Army Corps of Engineers, together with Bonneville Power Administration, rebuilt what Coyote tore down with the construction of the Dalles Dam. On that day in March, thousands of people from all the tribes who fished there gathered to watch as Celilo Falls went underwater. What does Coyote think of these new five sisters who put up a dam so they could sell electricity to all the people? He may say something like, If you are starving, you can't eat electricity, but you can eat the salmon I gave to everyone. The future for the salmon nation of the Northwest lies in the health of the ocean, the Columbia River, and all its tributaries. It all depends on us. Nesper's elder and fisheries expert, Silas Whitman. The change that is foretold that will be coming will then signal that there'll be a new life after the end of an old and now once again, we will be able to see rivers full of flowing with fish. Compassion once again that will rule people's lives. And when I look at these things and give, give pause to think and listen to the water, watch the water, listen to the wind, listen to the call of the animals and what, what they're saying. And it's a matter of trying to retain that within this rush of activity and paper that pervades our, our very essence today.
Nesper's leader, Chief Joseph, once said, the earth and myself are of one mind. That oneness began with a story. This episode of The Bookshelf was produced by me, Jane Fritz, and associate producer Justin Lantrip for the Idaho Mythweaver. Special thanks to storyteller and Nesper's producer, Jeanette Wiaskas, and to our many supporters. Like Coyote, we will continue this story by going upstream, all the way into the Nesper's homeland in the Wallawas of Northeast Oregon to the many rivers and spawning grounds of ocean-going salmon. In our upcoming documentary called People of the Salmon, we'll continue our exploration of Nesper's culture and history, as well as the Nesper's fisheries salmon restoration efforts, especially coho and Chinook salmon, and the hopeful return of sockeye salmon into Wallawa Lake. This two-part program will be podcasted on our website, mythweaver.org, where you can hear more stories about the Nez Perce in early 2023. Thanks for listening.